you create leaders and that's leverage and it's residual income and wealth building and Hey guys, welcome to another week of Funny Business. Today with me, I have Emily Vavra. Emily, how are you? I'm amazing, Kent. How are you? I'm doing so good. So pumped to talk to you today. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? What was childhood like? And how did that bring you from where you were to where you are today? Yeah, I, I love talking about the journey. I grew up in a small town in Minnesota. I was raised by a single mom. Um, you know, my siblings both went to traditional uh, colleges, but I didn't know what I wanted. So I went to massage therapy school quickly from there. I found myself in my early 20s working multiple jobs. I was a nanny. I worked for a doctor. I practice massage and I was searching for more and I started to read personal development books and I just became open and started following people that seemed to be living a life that I wanted um, with entrepreneurship, designing their days. And so I met a woman. I always say, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I met a woman at the gym and she was 10 years older than me and she was crushing it in network marketing and the health and wellness space. And so I basically went to her and said, is your company hiring? Could you mentor me? And she giggled and we met up and that's the day my life changed forever. That was 10 years ago. I was 23 years old, living paycheck to paycheck. And she said, you know what, this is, this is not easy. This is not easy. You're going to want to quit. And she said, the moment that, you know, you stop being interested and committed to this business and this plan, I'm out and I'm going to match energy for energy. And so we locked arms and built the foundation of a health and wellness business. Uh, I went to work on myself. I, you know, didn't buy anything new for a few years. I had an old desk, made a vision board, wrote myself out a check for a million dollars and literally went to work on the skills of sales, of talking to people, all the things. And I became a millionaire by the time I was 26 with my company. And, you know, ever since then, I've just been building teams, building people and, you know, just trying to get better every single day and making such a large impact. And now um, this was once on my vision board. I live on the Pacific Ocean um, and and yeah, I'm having a whole lot of fun doing it. So that's a little bit of my story. So you talked about you found the mentor. But what specific skills and what insights did you pick up from your mentor that maybe somebody in a similar business could uh, apply or maybe a completely different business? Yeah. So, you know, basically in, in, in this particular profession of network marketing, it's about pitching a plan, which a lot of us can relate. We're pitching a plan, a service. Why should someone work with you? And then closing them and then also building teams and leadership. And so, what I did is just modeled her behavior. Um, but when we got started, she said, find me a person that's open to learning about what we do and let's do a meeting. And so I would just listen and watch her the way she talked to them, the way she asked questions, she extracted their why out of them. She built that trust and then she presented what we were selling and then she presented the vision and then closed them and took them on 
a journey and you know that's why we have great retention and thing all the principles of business that i learned and you know so i would model her behavior and then eventually i would do it and that even translated into now i'm also a, a speaker i speak all over the world and you know at first I was so scared, just like most people, uh, public speaking is like, oh my gosh. But I realized the person at the front of the room is usually making the most impact. They're usually making the most impact. They're making the most money. And I need to get up there. Even though I really didn't want to, I knew I needed to. And so I also modeled her behavior in that way. And, you know, I said, hey, can I introduce you at the event? And I like started in little bite size ways I started to get in there. Um, and that's where I feel like I grew a lot faster because I didn't just study material Kent. Like I applied it, even mm-hmm. though I looked like a hot mess, even though I stumbled over my words. And so that's what I've continued to do now, even since uh, the pandemic, like I have done TV now and I'd never done that before, but it's because I, found people that have done it before and I've thrown myself into the arena knowing that's the only way that I will ever improve or learn a new skill. You were talking about ideas of leadership and this is actually something that's interested me a lot over the last couple of months. If you had to boil down good leadership to two or three principles, what does that mean to you? You know, it truly is leadership is, is influence nothing more, nothing less. I mean, my friend John C. Maxwell says that all the time, but it's so true. The the person that has the most influence, uh, you know, they're going to be the bigger leader in the room. They're going to be the person that somebody takes advice from for sure. But I also believe, and, and this is how I've built my whole organization is leadership is your example. I mean, all day long, I can stand at the front of a room at a podium on a Zoom, whatever, and just preach to people, this is what we need to do. But when they actually see me doing it, that builds so much more credibility, so much more trust. And and, and not even just in the day-to-day of, of selling things and, and making it rain, so to speak, uh, how I live my life mm-hmm. and the principles I live my life on and my values and things like that. And, you know, I think leadership is all about example. Absolutely. In all areas of your life. And are you worth following? Are you worth modeling? You know, Okay, so what were some of your biggest business mistakes in those 10 years and what did you learn from them? Yeah, one uh, one mistake that stands out to me, once I started rocking and rolling in the business, making some really good money, I didn't take as much time to have quiet time. And, and now I've learned that the introspection, having meditation, prayer, really thinking about my next steps, really thinking about how am I operating in my business? How is Mm. everything going? Like you need space to create more and to make, I believe, smarter decisions. And when I started to roll in the business, create momentum, which is very hard to do in any business, everything got busy and I said yes to everything. And I became very reactionary. And there was just one example where someone came to me and they were like, I want to mentor you. You could do this, that, and the other, it costs this much money, like a crazy amount of money. And instead of me doing my due diligence and stepping back and saying, 
is this my ego like wanting to do this or it, does this even make sense for my overall life mission? I just wrote him a check and trusted him and he ended up being a total flake and not somebody who could guide me. He had, you know, and I should have known better, but I should have looked at testimonies. I should have, I didn't do that. And so it was just like, what just happened? And it ended up being like, he was an unstable person. And I thought he could get me to another level anyway. So that that's a huge mistake for sure. And I think I kind of tied two in there is definitely, you know, not having enough time and space, um, not creating that boundaries for sure early on in my business. And I, I learned that the hard way, but I'm so happy I did because now I value it so much and it's a priority. So in life, it doesn't matter how successful you are, there's always, there always seems to be somebody out there who's doing something better than you. And I love the phrase that good artists create on their own or they borrow, but great artists steal. So what did you steal from somebody else out there and how did you make it your own for your business? Yeah, it's so beautiful. Uh, it's so true. Um, you know, what I did and continue to do, I would lay in bed at night and watch YouTubes and I would watch Tony Robbins speaking and how he does interventions with people and, you know, just the personal development stuff, John Maxwell, uh, John Asraf. I mean, I could go on and on with all these people and Oprah. I mean, my gosh, like, and, you know, I, I, I love their mentorship, um, but what I would do is just take their wisdom and put my own spin on it. And, you know, that's why I believe stillness is so important and meditating and, and, uh, you know, praying and asking and receiving and because it's all inside of us and you don't need to copy somebody else. You can take principles of what they're teaching and you can put it into your own business or into your own ideology or whatever. And um, so that's what I've done over and over again. Um, I'm, I try to model successful people, but they're also just people. Yeah. And, um, you know, they make mistakes just like we make mistakes. And, you know, that's what I've really learned um, from all that. And to not put people on pedestals, like I admire them and their ideas and, you know, I see what works, but also know that the world changes really fast and maybe something, a way that someone built a business, you know, in the year 2000 is not going to ride in 2021. And so it's like, you know, always looking at what, what they did and then extracting things from it for sure. But I am so grateful for anybody that, I mean, I love entrepreneurs because they're just they're just trying to make it happen. And, and typically, you know, if they're in it for the right reasons, like they just want to get their mission and product or service out there. And I just think it's so inspiring. I, I could be around entrepreneurs all day because they just are go-getters and that kind of energy and frequency is like what I appreciate. You mentioned like Tony Robbins and a couple other people that you like to watch on YouTube. Who would be like your top five people that you love either watching or reading their books? Okay. So Tony, for sure. And I've actually shared the stage with him, had my own intervention with him. Um, I love, love him. Um, John Maxwell. And for me, you know, I started leading teams and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I just kind of got him thrown into the whole leadership world. Um, 
then Erwin McManus. He's actually my pastor here in LA, but he teaches principles throughout. I mean, he's, he's amazing. I follow him. Um, Shailene Johnson is really a great female entrepreneur. Uh, she teaches a lot of like social media and just smart success for sure. Um, and then Eric Worre has been my personal mentor and author of GoPro. And he, he really has taught me all the strategies of network marketing, but you can take all those strategies and really put them into any business. And so I'd say those five, I mean, I could continue. I love Brendan Bruchard as well. Um, but those are some of the people that I love to follow and learn from. As we've talked about before, it is fast paced. It is go, go, go pretty much all the time. So as an owner of your own business or as a partner in your own business, how do you achieve efficiency and what tips and tricks have you used to be able to streamline your business even faster? Well, I, you know, I have multiple different businesses. So I have my network marketing business, the It's Emily business, um, but I'm a huge fan of leverage. And that's why I love the profession of network marketing because you create leaders and that's leverage and it's residual income and wealth building. And I think it's a beautiful model for those that embrace it. And so for sure, different models um, and I have different, you know, subscriptions and, and now I have programs that, you know, someone last night purchased it in Indonesia and I was sleeping, you know what I'm saying? Like that's leverage. But when it comes to day to day operations, I am a huge fan of studying my calendar and really planning everything. And I know that seems so elementary uh, for sure. And I actually was just speaking with Dave Meltzer, who is so amazing. He wrote the book, The Playbook, and he does this as well. Um, but I study it and I study what are the calls that I have? What's going to move the needle? What makes zero sense? What What is 60 minutes on my calendar that could really be 30 minutes on my calendar? Let's be honest. I also, you know, really am huge on having a plan and a vision. And so, Every single year, of course, but then into quarters, into months, I am like, what in the heck are you working on? What, are, what, what one to two things are we going to move forward this month? And then I reverse engineer that and I break it down into three IPAs, income producing activities a day that must happen for me to get closer to that goal. And sometimes I fall short, of course, but I make sure that it is in the day. Um, so that way, at least if I'm going towards that one to two goals that I can put that in my day. And then also more, just as important, I plan in the fun. I plan in living my life. I plan in networking and all the things that are so important for entrepreneurs um, because for me, it's not all about achieving. Like I am, I'm a huge achiever all day long, but if I'm not living and, and creating amazing relationships at the same time, like what is all this for, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, time efficiency, study that calendar, like Sunday night. Um, I am on it and, uh, I have my assistants on it and, and I make sure that, you know, every, like we all should, but I think if we could get more clear on it is, does this make sense? Mm. How much time is being wasted and then energy cost. If something is going to drain my energy, 
I usually just take it off my calendar. There are certain things that I have to do, um, but I try to operate in my zone of genius most of the time. Um, so that way, that's what's really moving the needle forward. You mind defining your zone of genius? Yeah. So that would be, you know, to me, it's it's that thing that you do that you lose sense of time. You lose track of time. Like that's where the joy is. Like me talking to you, Kent, is like, ah, it's like life-giving because you're asking life-changing questions that can really serve someone. And I feel like I can add value to that. Speaking is my zone of genius. And so that would be that thing that only you can do that you're great at, because honestly, we can all do work, but I believe our meaningful work that brings us joy is going to just be so, it's going to be on a, such a different level of frequency. So I try to really help people operate more in their zone of genius. I know that there's times where we got to do certain things we don't want to do, of course. But if you can try to get more and more closer to those zones, then that's going to be your sweet spot. The masters of the craft aren't the people who are doing the fancy stuff, the jump off the wall, like Superman punches and stuff like that. They're the ones who master the basics. If they understand the fundamentals more than anyone else, they're going to win. That's so true. So, so true. I love that in, in business, it's going to be the same thing. If you understand the fundamentals, you're going to succeed in business. Yeah. And master the mundane. And that's the thing I always tell people, like I have done thousands of meetings and they're, the format is the same, but I'm like, are you willing to do that many meetings? Because it, it does get boring. It can get boring. Um, but when you master it, you become skilled at it. And that's when, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours. That's when you become really good. And most people just don't want they, first, they don't want to be seen starting out at the bottom if you have no idea how to, to do it or fight or whatever. Um, but once you can find it and get that rhythm, like that's when you go pro. So how long did it f take you to feel like you were a pro? Everybody, everybody has like the uh, imposter syndrome. When did you finally embrace where you were? Three and a half years into my business. But I want to be sure you understand I was working it every single day, day and night, day and night, all in, all in commitment, studying the craft, uh, surrounding myself with people that were 10 steps ahead of me, 10 years older than me, 20 years older than me, said no to a lot of things, you know, in my early 20s, like I'm, I wasn't somebody who still is not someone who drinks or does things like that, because I wanted to condense time frame. And my time, you know what I mean? And so I, you know, it's a law of sacrifice. I was willing to, to give up, to go up. And so I think year three is when I was like, okay, we are good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is just imposter syndrome. Like they, they know that they're good. They know that they're an expert and they feel like they have to tell other people that they're an expert, but no. you can just hold off and say, you know what? These are the things you need to do. And if you don't tell people, people why you're the expert and they just know that you are because of your influence like what you were talking yeah. about I think that's a really great place to be on in life and I can definitely tell that that's where you are yeah thank you yeah imposter syndrome is such it, it, it's everybody has it even my mentors have it even every level and that's why it's so important to spend time with whatever you believe you're the higher power because when you realize like there's only one you and you know so much and there's so much inside of you that you can give, you stop comparing yourself. 
because we know that comparison is that thief of joy and we see appreciation and beauty in other people and we stop comparing ourselves to other people and man it's real it's real and it happens to me too so (laughs) okay what is the biggest challenge that you've experienced in your field to date wow i'm just this is going to be so authentic of course um having a business partner that i thought i trusted Mm. just they tried to steal and stab me in the back and it, it was almost like you just put your head down and you're serving and you're all you think everybody's just kind of just rowing in the same direction and you just like wake up and find something out and I think it just, it wasn't even the business thing. It was just the painfulness of like, why couldn't you just tell me or, you know, and that's the real stuff that I don't think a lot of people talk about, Kent. Like, I don't think people talk about how you deal with drama or conflict resolution or whatever. And um, I don't deal with drama at very well at all. Like I, I really don't. I've tried that's out of my life, you know? So when that came up um, from a business perspective, it was like the first time I was like, what do you do? What do I do? How do I handle this? How do I handle this with the team? Like how, you know, do I, do I lash out at this person? Do I, you know, so that was one of the most difficult things that I've dealt with. Um, but now I've learned a whole heck of a lot and everything happens for a reason and it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. So it just totally changed my perspective. It changed the way I operate and I'm all in all, I can say now grateful for it. That's awesome. So having gone through that, what are your tips and tricks for conflict resolution in a business setting? For my example, because I have a large organization of people that I lead, it's it's definitely addressing the situation to the people. So there's not rumors going on of, you know, when, when the higher ups, there's drama that happens, all the other people like there could be drama and they're like, did this happen? Did this happen? So I had to address it in front of everyone without carrying on about it. It's like I shared this happened. We're moving on from it. So everyone's in the clear. This is the truth. And then I went back to what is our vision, our mission, our why and connected back to the heart of what we do and why we do what we do. So people could remember why they're even here in the first place and not be, people love drama. So I didn't, you know, I needed to bring them back. So I definitely learned that addressing it and then just not focusing on it and, you know, blocking them on social media. Like you don't need anything that takes your energy or takes you out of a peak state or makes you feel icky. You don't have to see it. And so you know, this is something we actually have to train on in 2021 is like, just mute them, block them, unfriend them. Like, you know, because if that's going to take me out of my day and make me feel feelings I don't want to feel, it's not worth it. So I would say that as well. Um, And then, you know, I overly communicate now with people and check in on the regular, which I think a lot of people that are probably listening to this right now are probably achievers, self-sufficient people, but not everybody is. Mm -hmm. And that you need to check in with people on your team 
and you know, not on a, in a group setting, but even one off. So I'll just voice text people and just say, you know, how are you? I'm just checking in. So I can make sure that I am having those relationships as well and building that trust and making sure that the team is okay. People really excel when they feel like they're being cared about in the business. They are willing to give you more. They're willing to give you even better efforts. And it's, it's not like you're doing it manipulatively, like if, you, like if you're having those genuine conversations. But I can think of a couple of good bosses that I've had that made me felt genuinely cared for versus the bosses that made me feel like a cog in the machine. And I'm just like, oof, that's a, it's a tough road to toe, especially when you feel like there's so much efficiency that you have to achieve as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's easy to let all the things that you have to do get in the way of the people that need to be cared for. So I I love that you put an emphasis on that. That's so great. Okay, so what do you love the best about what you do? Oh, definitely the transformations, the stories, the testimonies. I mean, people ask me all the time, like, why are you continuing to like work so hard and build businesses and do all that you do? And it's the stories. You know, last week there was a woman on my team who her son is an addict and her family, they're going through it. And, you know, she just shared her transformation as a woman and being able to bring in an income for her family. And that is the juice for me. That is it. I mean, I'm even preparing to do a big speaking engagement um, next month. And as I write it, I'm thinking of that person that is like sitting in the Midwest, sitting wherever. And they're like doubting themselves. And, you know, I, I need to speak, I need to speak to her. I need to speak to him and speak life into them. And, you know, that's, that's what I love is after I put a presentation together, a speech together, I love the feedback from it of, you know, I want to learn, like, what did they learn? What did they feel? You know, what, what are they going to do different in their life? Cause I'm all about transformation And uh, that's the juice for me. Like at the end of the day, I can't take any of this with me, but I can, I can definitely leave a legacy and, and teach others how to live life by design rather than by default. And to me, that is like what it is about is just creating a legacy. So, so how do you stay up to date in your industry? Continuous improvement for sure. And, and taking personal responsibility for myself every single day, just getting a little bit better, definitely plugging into a couple industry leaders and going, I'm actually usually speaking at their events now, but, you know, reading material like the DSA, the direct selling association, um, for sure. But then also doing the basics of the business keeps me relevant. So just like we were saying, mastering the mundane, by me staying on the ground, talking to the consumer and, and seeing what their buying experiences, their pain points are, it keeps me relevant. And, and that's how I get a pulse on the world. And then just talking to people, you know, during this past year, it's like I jump on, you know, with a, a, a man that I mentor in the Netherlands and, and I'm like, how's it going there? And then my group in, in Canada, how's it going there? It's completely different, you know, group here in Southern California. And so it's talking to people is how you stay relevant. But from an industry perspective, usually like, you know, 
the methods, you know, change, but the, how you do certain things stay the same. So like with the digital space, it may change. Instagram changes on the daily, right. Um, the way you do certain things. And so it's just kind of studying who's good at these certain things. And then, and then getting a little, um, insight, but at the same time, I think just staying close to who's ever leading your industry. And, you know, I don't have time all day to like sit and go down the rabbit hole with all this stuff. But if you're in it, you, you'll know, you know, who is your ideal client and where should they go in order to find out more about you, to be able to work with you? Yeah. I would say my ideal client is honestly, anyone who is ambitious, hungry, you're, you're at the edge. Like you're, you're ready to cannonball into the pool. You just don't know the how. And I want to help you become more confident. I want to help you have more grace, more prestige in what you do so you can become a person of excellence. I want to help you live in your zone of genius and really give you the day-to-day that I've done to build what I've built and the principles that I've done. Um, So my ideal client is somebody who's looking for more and you're looking for that guidance and mentorship. And if you want to dive in more on that, um, you can go to the itsemilymethod.com or connect with me on Instagram and send me a message at itsemily and, you know, see what I'm all about and if we'd be a good match. Well, Emily, thank you so, so much for your time. And for those of you watching at home, uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Make sure to like and subscribe and make sure to share with a friend. All right, see you next week. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full, the same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, And most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. We saw immediate results. Sales went up 10x the first day. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers. Go to harmanbrothersuniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.